Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY and you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I'm a Fudo fan on Instagram and on Twitter and, and on TikTok. Ah, excellent. <laughs> I have finally caved in to peer pressure. I literally created an account just like hours ago. And the experience was exactly what I was expecting. And what I mean by that is... That Chaos? Well, the first four videos were exactly sort of my stereotype of TikTok. In other words, like those dancing cosplayers. Yeah. It was atrociously bad financial advice. <laughs> it was like a cute jumping dog or something. And then there was a scene from what I presume to be some Chinese or Korean drama. Excellent. <laughs> Well, I, I've given you a follow, so I think all of our listeners should also check out Foodifan on TikTok. And I gotta say, Jacob, you, you're really stepping up that that video game because you know we we all know you as that amazing photographer. Your your photos could be professional product photography, but now you've kind of added to your repertoire um, and and you know increased more video output. I've noticed in the past month. Well, I still have absolutely no idea what I'm doing, but I'm enjoying it. So I'm just playing with uh, short videos and uh, maybe one day I'll be good enough that I can make something longer and more substantial. But for now, you have to do with 15 second <laughs> clips. So you, you can't say that to, to the rest of us blebs who don't even know how to operate a camera. Well, I, I still don't really. I mean, I, like video is a whole different thing. I mean, photography, I, I think I've figure things out by now but videos like a whole different world of you know i'm sort of learning what like uh, different color spaces and uh, lots and different you know bit rates and uh, i i making the most stupid noob mistakes but uh, slowly and surely it's getting a little bit better every time so i just need to get the first 100 terrible clips out of the way and maybe i can do something more meaningful after that all right that's fair and um, we are episode 66, I believe. Um, and it's, it's been a while. Uh, I was on the Pen Attic podcast last week. So thank you to uh, both Mike and Bradley Dowdy for having me on. Um, that was a long <laughs> podcast. It was like 90 minutes. And, um, and yeah, it was fun. So, so, you know, for those people who, who are interested, uh, check it out. And, and shout out to them. Obviously, they've been doing this for a long time. So definitely recommend uh, adding that to your list if you haven't already. I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, but I got to the part where you're spending thousands of dollars on equipment and starting to think about how to make some money back on that. <laughs> yeah, that was... um, Yeah, so still in the red, but but it's good. It's good. I'm having fun along the way. But we've got we've got some topics today, Jacob. Yes. Yes. So, so last time, um, this had already happened by the last time we did our recording, but we, we just had too many topics last time. Um, I want to talk first a little bit about this Wagner event that, um, that happened uh, just two weeks ago. Now, before we get into this Wagner event, I want to just maybe, can we, can we recap for the listeners what exactly is Wagner? I'm sure we have talked about it uh... <laughs> numerous times but it is um one of the biggest if not the biggest pen club in japan i think it was started like 17 years ago it was actually like a splinter group from another pen group um was that fuente yeah i think yeah exactly uh, I can't remember the origin story, but there is a blog post somewhere that explains the origins. But I think it's been around now for around 17 years. And, you know, the the boss, the club leader is Mr. Mori. By the way, it was like surreal to hear you talk to Drew on the Goulet pencast about Morrison. It was like worlds colliding like Goulet and, and Morrison. <laughs> He is the one who runs this club in the sense that he is organizing all these meetups. So there are numerous meetups 
throughout the year. Some of them are in, uh, well, they're all over Japan. Like Nag- I think there's one in Nagoya now. There's like a Sendai. I think there's a Hokkaido one. There's somewhere in, in Kyushu. And then there are a number of um, larger events around the Tokyo area. And uh, the the biggest event of the year is what's called the pen trading in Tokyo, which is around June. And then you also have the spring and autumn pen, whatever you call them. It's sort of slightly smaller version of that, effectively. And then there's the year-end uh, quote-unquote bargain, but it's just another, like, exactly the same formula. And the event that was last week or the week before was the Autumn Pen Show. Yeah. And um, I think these Wagner events are probably much closer to these pen shows that we see uh, in, in the West, in, in that they're kind of community organized, you don't have a lot of uh, retailers, it's mostly individual vendors, and you know, sometimes people are not even selling anything, they just, like, you can look, you can touch, but you can't buy. And um, I think Wagner used to be a lot more interesting because they had all sorts of people. I remember when, for example, um, Yupo paper uh, started becoming popular, that was really first popularized at Wagner. Um, the uh, these kind of homemade iron gall inks they came out of Wagner. Uh, Gary made a few iron gall inks for for Wagner, um, and of course Wagner has done multiple exclusive pens with both Sailor or with Sailor uh, Pilot and Platinum. So uh, they are quite an influential group. And then out of Wagner, uh, Morisan has a well. I'm not quite sure what kind of relationship it is. Uh, but he has an uh, an apprentice with uh, with a lady called Tomoko, who's opened uh, a store Liktop, which maybe some of the listeners will know. So this is very much a, an enthusiast run uh, community. This is this is the closest to uh, I think some of the communities that we have or that um, that is available in the U.S. or even in Europe. Whereas the Tokyo International Pen Show, it's much more of a retailized event, and um, and actually Wagner does, oftentimes uh, they they have a table there, so some of the 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 people that you might see in a Wagner event might be, uh, for example, Mr. Pilot. Um, what what's his actual name again? I only know him as Mr. Pilot. Ikura Nikura-san. Nikura, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Usually at the bigger events, you have some pretty big names there. I mean, and Nagahara is a Wagner member. Uh, Pilots Pen Doctors are Wagner members. Tsunami-san, who is probably Japan's most famous pen collector who wrote books together with Lambro, you know, the big, you know, fountain pens of Japan. He is a Wagner member. It's basically like the celebrities in the pen world, pen community in Japan. They're all Wagner members. I mean, Betchore is also a Wagner member, for example. Yeah. Um, but I think those names that you just listed out, they used to come to Wagner much more often than now. So I think the past few times that we've been, it's mostly been um, Morrison and then some others. But like, I don't think I've seen uh, Nagarasan at a Wagner for years. Uh, I think the last time was was the Butlaf shape, and I, I know they still collaborate. But um, you know his appearance is, is not as expected nowadays, um, and so it, it's a big group. But I think one of the the criticisms that we had of Wagner is that Wagner groups always look exactly the same. They are old Japanese men who are you know more or less in their fifties or sixties or even sometimes up to like you know. 70s 80s mm. and you didn't really have any kind of uh youth representation i mean you had women as well uh at wagner but um very very few i'd say maybe 20 to yeah 25 percent um and so it was not a very diverse group so to say mm. part of that is that it is like if you don't know someone who is a member and goes to this event, it's really hard to find out where the events are and, you know, where they are. And you talked about that. I mean, that was one thing you mentioned to, to Brad, right? It's, 
it, it's hard to even find out about Wagner where the events are. Right? Yeah, and, and it is quite intimidating if you are not, you know, part of that demographic. Um, mm. it, I think it is intimidating to to you know just go to a Wagner without your friends. And so, so that was one of the the longtime criticisms that we had uh, about Wagner, um, that it's it's just not a very diverse group. Right. Somehow, and normally, as you know, Jacob, I rarely go to these Wagner events anymore. But somehow, uh, on the weekend that I came back, I was possessed to to go to this Wagner event, and um, so so I did, and um, Elsa also went. Mm. And, and we went a little bit after 12. We go in. The first table that we see are high school students. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. So I go over to their table and just trying to see what they have. Um, and two things. The first thing they were trying to kind of sell to us. And, and I love seeing these um, high schoolers hustle. But they were trying to sell to us the uh, still form. Um, the Stillform Ink pen. This is a pen that's uh, that's that came to life through Kickstarter. It's apparently a collaboration between a Japanese manufacturer and a, and a German manufacturer. But um, it, it's this pen which I think it has like uh, uh, might have been the one with like the membrane, uh, the the water membrane inside, so it keeps your your pen wet. And um, they were very excited to show us these titanium nibs. And I thought it was pretty cool because these high schoolers, they, they need the difference between Bach, between Yovo, you know. Um, and and it, was, it was refreshing. It was refreshing. Um, so that was uh, that. And, and they, they kind of assumed that we didn't know about Stillform because I think not a lot of people in Japan are really in tune with, you know, non-Japanese makers or, or the big brands. You see a lot of advertisement for for Stillform, but it's not really in what we would call like the fountain pen community. It's more like sort of trendy, peep, trendy like stationery for like people who buy Kickstarter stuff, right? Yeah, but it it al- almost felt like there was some kind of a collaboration between Stillform and and these high schoolers. And I, I went back and checked their Twitter afterwards. They're like, um, yeah, they're like still form monitase so uh, i don't know they're like you know kind of i don't even know what that means <laughs> to be honest but um but it, it was very interesting to see these kids repping uh still form the second thing which caught my eye was that they had these mini grinders and uh they called them mini chichi and um and these were grinders that you could assemble and disassemble uh very easily they're meant for you to to Kind of just take on the road and, and like you know just just grind and take to an event or something and i thought it was really interesting because we previously talked about how grinding culture or like nib grinding culture is is not really a thing in japan um so to see these young kids take an interest to to design and build these mini grinders and they were selling these mini grinders uh, the wooden panel ones for for about a hundred dollars, and then they had a black aluminum one for about three hundred dollars. You know, to see them designing, selling them, you know, they they source the motors, they source all the parts, like that kind of creativity and really business acumen. There, I thought was uh, was really really sweet to see. Um, and both Alessa and I, we both bought these uh, these mini grinders. Ah, nice. Yeah, I heard about that from from Alessa too. It's, <laughs> yeah. I think she needs your help to assemble it. <laughs> yes, we were thinking maybe we should ask uh, Hiroko to to do some lacquer on it. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So these were designed by a guy called um on at least on Twitter. His name is at Nib Destroyer, which I thought it was really funny. And then he joined. Um, he joined Instagram. His Instagram handle is uh, Nib Crasher. I have seen that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, and he he calls himself a, an apprentice nib worker. So I asked him. I said, "Hey, are you thinking of you know kind of doing this seriously, or is it for fun?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, it's it's kind of um, for fun, you know, for now, but I think it's good. He's he's getting a, a real head start, and you know, you don't just." design and build this grinder for fun right 
So um, I, I'm very curious to see how, uh, how he progresses kind of through his fountain pen journey. You know, maybe he's going to take it more seriously you know, after graduation. I'm sure he's going to you know, try to get a job at first, um, which I'll always recommend. Um, but yeah, it was very encouraging. And I think this might sound some kind of a direction for the Japanese market. What do you think? I'm not sure how much you can extrapolate for this, but, but it's, it's, it's promising uh, and, and it's, it's encouraging if uh, Mr. Mori is supporting them because that's, I mean, to his credit, I mean, we, we criticize him Wagner for being like this OIG club, but to Morrison's credit, he has been trying to, you know, keep up with trends. And I think some of that has to do with the Tomoko, yep. but Morrison has been trying to reach out to like other parts of the community. And I think this is, partially like his uh, thanks to his efforts yeah um and yeah i agree he's actually right now in nagoya for for the tono limbs um event so he i think you know credits to him for for creating this and maintaining this for so long it's not easy to maintain a club for 17 years but um he actually made this thing that he called student island where specifically it was for students to gather to like discuss and kind of just a place to hang out you know and um and i do uh i do give him props for that another thing which uh i didn't tell you about which was happening in san francisco is that i got to meet the good folks uh at kenro industry and kenro industry are the owners um of the estabook brand and we might have talked previously about Estabrook um, and their collaboration with uh, with uh, Addicted um, plan- Planner Stickers, I think. Yeah, Addicted Planner Stickers. So, um, in our one of our very early episodes, we got a we got a listener question. Um, we got this listener question asking about who are some of these Instagrammers uh, uh, of Japanese stationery, and we pointed out to her, and we said originally we said that this lady she she does these amazing time-lapse videos and she only had you know 5,000 followers and at the time I said that was criminal today she has 18.3k followers and and she's an Estabrook ambassador and Estabrook has been putting a lot of efforts into kind of changing the way that you know obviously not limited to Japan but um, they were known back in the day in, in the vintage iteration to have a lot of different kinds of nibs uh mostly steel nibs um so they had like flex nibs they had stub nibs blah 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 but they had like hundreds of different variations so they're kind of trying to bring that back and they're also as part of that program they are trying to bring it to japan so they are sending um addicted planner stickers these special grinds so she's got the journaler she has the the needle point um and what they're doing now uh, what they did at uh, San Francisco Pen Shows. They, they actually went over to talk to Nagasawa to try to get these guys. I know they talked to Itoya as well to try to get these guys more on board with these custom grinds and custom nibs. And maybe with a bigger push from an official like pen brand, do you think that the market will be more susceptible to these custom grinds if it being given a push? by a player like Estabrook. I think this is a continuation of discussion we had about um, Cyprus in the previous episode. I think this is really the same thing as we see this proliferation of a quote-unquote factory grinds other than you know your standard fine, medium, broad, one-point-point stub. And I, I think there is a big... Um, I think I think there would be big market for that. And then just going back to what you said about these US pen shows, you talked about how all the, the nib grinders that they were fully booked throughout throughout, you know, all all days of the shows. I think that shows that people do want these grinds and there's just a, a lot of demand and, and if you can just go buy it from, you know, your favorite retailer rather than having to, you know, send something to a nib grinder and, you know, um, pay extra for that and <clears throat> I, I definitely think this is a big market potentially big market yeah um, so we'll we'll see I think if Nagasawa picks up picks this idea up and starts pushing it to their customers we could really see a um, kind of like a transformation 
in the way that the market thinks about these grinds to begin with. And hopefully we'll get more um, acceptance, more mainstream acceptance um, of custom grinds, even in the Japanese market. So I think everything is kind of coming together. We have these young people who are really interested in, in adjustments and grinds. We have uh, brands who are coming in, trying to change the market, trying to change the environment. And then we have influencers who are actually showing off what these brands do. And I think that's the, that is the recipe that, that we need uh, to bring what is already a, a pretty incredible market, kind of bring that to the next level. I want to go back a bit to this uh, uh, nib grinding setup that the high school students worked on because I, I, I sort of related to that. I get the impression that some nib grinders consider like, the construction of like a custom nib grinding tool to be like a part of their training. So it's like a Jedi making their own lightsaber as part of their training, right? <laughs> you have like, yeah, Nagahara has his own yep. bespoke thing. Masayama also has his own bespoke thing. I think um, Pactagon, I can't remember what his name is, but Pactagon also, I mean, he trained with both of them, so he probably learned a thing or two from them, but he also has his own like bespoke setup. Are you of the impression that that is sort of something that a nib grinder should, should be able to do, like construct their own very like bespoke nib grinding tool, or should be able to just use some off-the-shelf Dremel or whatever? Yeah. Um... So, I guess, um, you know, disclosure in advance, I use an off-the-shelf Dremel and, and a lot of off-the-shelf tools. Mm. And, and the reason why I do that is because it's easy to find replacements. It's easy to find the parts, and you don't have to worry about, um, oh, your favorite supplier is going out of business, so, well, you can't get whatever grit you need to get anymore, right? I think that's the, the challenge with these more bespoke options. Um, and, and the second thing that I, I think a lot of these bespoke tools are, um, they're, they're very cool. They're very cool. I, I'm using this mini Chi-Chi, mm. and um, it's, it's nice. One of the challenges is I can't look, I cannot see, the contact point between mm. the nib and the, the the grinding material because it's faced away from me. Mm. I see. And so th there are ways to reverse the the direction of the motor. Mm. It, it's actually fairly easy. But then you're grinding then from from the bottom, which I also think is is kind of weird because then you can't see the top. Of, of whatever you're grinding mm. and um and that's just not how most nib grinders work um right so i actually prefer when i'm using this mini chichi i like to turn it to the side so that i can look at the grinding material as well and then with with the dremel with the freeform tool it's easier to um change my angle uh, I, I feel like i have more freedom and more control over it so I think the, the bench grinder, this custom bench grinder, it's great for if you're doing just like you know, stubs, italics, or whatever, it's great for that. But then if you're doing something more complex, uh, then, then you're going to run into um, some limitations. I think, it's, I think it's, a, it's not an invalid way of thinking, but I do think that that is a little bit of an old school style. And I think, I think the most important thing is whatever works for you. Um, some people, if they have the the the, the bench grinder, um, they, you know, might not be able to sit for hours at a time in that same position, right? Or for example, I know that Annabelle from uh, Apple Boom, she uses a microscope, so you wouldn't necessarily be able to to do that. Kirk has the the overhead, uh, the overhead magnifier, right? So, I think it, it really depends on how you want to work and what your best setup is. Of course, having the bench grinder there makes you look really cool and really professional. But does it make your best work? Uh, I'm not super convinced. 
So you're not convinced that a, a, a nib grinding apprentice Padawan should have this as their test in order to, what did you call it, a nib Sith? No, <laughs> that, that wouldn't be a Padawan, but, but to graduate from the academy. Yeah, I, I think I think it's good to have experience with one. It's it's different. You definitely, I think, want to, to be able to use one. And, and even with my off-the-shelf Dremel, I've built a tool to stabilize it on on a bench so that I can do the same thing as the you know the bench grinders um, so I think it, it's important to know what you like and what you don't like and unless you try it you just really not gonna know right so yeah I, I think that's a that's an interesting um, question but then back to back to this Wagner topic we also saw uh, I mean we saw a bunch of people but we saw Kanesaki-san and I had never met Kanesaki-san, so I didn't know what he looked like. Um, he looks a lot younger than I thought he would have been. I mean, this guy is a young lad. He looks like he's in his early 20s. And he he was selling these Bakelite pens. And, um, and he was using these vintage clips. And I didn't know who he was and he didn't know who I was. So we kind of did that awkward dance of, like, oh, do you know about Bakelite pens? And I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, by the way, who made these clips? Are you, where are you sourcing them from? And like, oh, yeah. And then after a while, we kind of, you know, realized or I realized who he was. And I was like, oh, yeah, Kanesaki-san, you know, a big fan, big fan of your work. And um, Alessa ended up getting a pen from him. Uh, and hopefully we'll be able to do an interview. So he doesn't speak the greatest English. And um, Alessa doesn't speak the greatest Japanese. But somehow we were able to communicate uh, through that. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to try to do an interview with him uh, once he gets back from the US. He's an interesting guy. I mean, he's incredibly talented, but um, I don't think he's... I don't think he's fully like realizing what his potential market could be if he was a bit more... <laughs> um, if he was selling his or marketing his services to bigger audience, right? I mean, he, I mean, he could probably, I mean, because I asked him before, if you remember back at tips, I asked him, like, if I had like a custom Arushi and I wanted to turn that into like a Japanese eyedropper in Kidomi, could you do that? And he said, yeah, no problem, just send it over, right? I think there's a lot of people overseas, especially in, you know, your SF pen community who would love to have that but they have no idea how to contact him and he doesn't really make it easier to um uh, to reach him right maybe that's what i should do with my customers i think that could be very interesting <laughs> um anyway that's uh i thought he was he was really um generous with his information and with his time we, we sat and we talked for like how it felt like hours but i think it was like 45 minutes um and uh yeah he was showing with with some of his friends who has one of them has a cafe in Ginza only seats 3 people so we have to call and you know make a reservation in advance but yeah that was it was one of the more interesting wagners i saw fujisan um of eurobox he bought a pen that i wanted to buy so you know well no hard feelings you know whoever gets their first you know gets first dibs but yeah, it was it was really one of the more interesting Wagners, and I'm really glad that I uh, ended up going. Yeah, those events are really like hit and miss, right? So, sometimes mm -hmm. it's hard to it's hard to predict in advance, but sometimes you know you have all of the interesting people are there and a lot of tables, and and it's also like sometimes you go to to Mr. Pilot's table and it's just the same stuff he's been selling for the last three events and sometimes he's like a shock full of all new kind of exotic pens that you haven't really seen before right so it's really hard to, yeah. to predict in advance but the thing is you have to pay your two, 2000 yen before you can before you even know right yeah um and all in all there were five i guess six if you include Kanesaki-san but he wasn't doing nib grinding at the event but um, yeah, excluding the high schoolers, you had you know five to six nib grinders at the event, and that's that's a lot for like a fifty to one hundred people event. You know, probably even less than a hundred. 
And usually the, the nib grinds at Wagner are really cheap. Well, well, I mean, in a way you're partially paying for it with the entrance fee, but once you pay those 2,000 yen, the, the nib grinds can be quite affordable. Yep. Um, whereas uh, the quality, uh, they have um, this exam that you have to take. I don't know the contents of the exam because I never bothered taking it. But... Um, but going back to this high schooler, he says he's, you know, working to to pass this exam. And then once he passes this exam, um, then he's going to start charging people. But um, I asked him, hey, are you, you know, are you interested in showing at these like pen shows or pen events? And he says, you know, once I pass the exam, so he's he's really focused on passing that exam. So who who made up this exam? I have no idea, but I, I'd imagine that Morrison has some kind of a hand in it, right? Because I can't imagine any nib grinders at Wagner making that much money because you have to pay, I think, like 5,000 yen if you're a quote-unquote vendor, right? And you and there's a cap on how much you can charge for a mm -hmm. nib grind at Wagner, which is like, like 1,500, 2,000 yen or something like that, right? So you have to be <laughs> working very hard to make any kind of money at those events. Whereas, um, as we already mentioned last time, people like Pen and Message uh, and Nagara, who I think they, they charge fairly similarly, um, they charge a lot of money, right? It's like $80 for, for Curse Metallic, obviously, you know, the exchange rate is different now, but um, they, they are not cheap. Yeah, Nagara is different because he's the biggest name in the industry, right? Pen and Message, I, I don't know, maybe he has a good reputation, but it might be that it might be that he it just considered like a add-on when you're buying a pen from him. I know a lot of Kansai people go to the store specifically to get you know stuff repaired or stuff ground. So I think he does have quite a good reputation. Well, we have one member in our Tokyo community who's a big fan of <laughs> Pen and Message. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. Um, so, next topic. Moving on. Um, I think let's let's go with the the events theme. We had, of course, the Marzen event. We mentioned that um, there are obviously uh, Shikura pens. That's a, a huge draw. They had new ink. Um, this year they did the autumn event in a slightly different way. Uh, they staggered the event. So first was the uh, the Marunouchi event and then at like a week later they did the the nihonbashi event and we we mentioned that these shishikura pens um it almost feels like it's it's uh more and more difficult to see how appealing these pens would be um unless you see them in real life and i have to say that the new one this purple one which is the the summer one I think that the the colors that this pen has, right, the purple in the cap is, I think it's astounding. I think it, it's incredible. The body of of the pen, I think it's, um, I, I feel like personally for me, the color is almost too close uh, to the cap, but then it lacks the same vibrancy. So it feels like it, it's a more dull version of the cap, which I, I know that's what she was she was really going for because she intended to be kind of the ashes from the fireworks. But I feel like um, I feel like she could have either benefited from, you know, A, it just being the same color or B, having a bigger contrast uh, with the cap. But that's a that's a personal taste thing. I, I think obviously these pens are still, you know, very great pens um, and the inscription looks a lot better in person. I think the, the lemon one was a bit more interesting only because the color combination was a bit more unusual and I really liked the, the nib engraving on the on the lemon one uh, in particular. As, as you mentioned before, the the cap is a bit too dark, I think. It, it's, it's a strange combination, but at least it's unusual. So, I mean, bonus points for that. I think the most interesting pen at... The the smaller than events was none of the sailors, but the Eboya, the Kininaru Eboya. Was that the the Nihonbashi one? Yes, exactly. So it's it, I can't remember what the model name is, but it's one the one with a tiny little cap, and then it's like a, the green. And in fact, it's the only one of the modern pens that is now sold out. 
Yeah. But they only made 10, right? Yeah, something like that. It was a small number, yeah. But but it, but it's it's now sold out, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that was a nice one. Um they kind of did like this blocky gradation. Um and I think I agree that the the lemon version, so the not the wakademon, which is uh which is the young lemon. Uh but the the full-size lemon. I think that nib engraving is really interesting because you really then get that reference that um it's about lemon the novel rather than lemon just the fruit by itself obviously there's a big inspiration there but um yeah i I do agree that the lemon was uh a little bit more appealing um but yeah the the kind of draw for long-time collectors is probably as you said the eboya yeah yeah I, i think so um and you went today right yeah, I went back today. I went to a few places today, but I went to Marazen in Nihonbashi today. It's kind of hard to tell that there's even an event going on. They don't advertise it that well. But yeah, there were a few tables. So there was one, so on had an event and, and there weren't any customers there and they had a lot of pens on display so I got all like giddy of excitement I went there and I asked you know do you have any pens with the course nibs and then he just looked at me as if I was an idiot and asked if I had a reservation and I said no I don't have any reservation well you can't buy anything if you don't have a reservation Um. well they said that if you wait until after like 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock we're going to sell whatever is left but I I, A didn't want to wait that long and B I wasn't ready to you know have an elbow fight with a very determined like Numa mob I I know know what that looks like I wasn't ready for that yeah and um, so so do you think they were very they were fairly popular fairly successful well it's hard to tell Uh, it's hard to tell there weren't that many people there. Uh, and I also went over to Ohashiro because I had a question for Ohashiro. I wanted to know the story about the 21k nibs because as we have talked about fairly recently, Ohashiro is known for still selling pens with 14k soft nibs, but recently using 21k nibs. I wanted to ask him if, if he can no longer get hold of 14k nibs but he had a long conversation with with an, an elderly customer and he didn't seem too concerned with other customers i was waiting for a good like 15 minutes but then i gave up so no i didn't get any answers from ohashiro the pens he had on display were very nice though but he, his pens are expensive right they start at like seventy thousand yen and then, then they, they go up it <laughs> expensive well we'll get another opportunity at um the Tokyo International Pen Show, right? Is is he showing this year? I'm yes, assuming that he's always there. I mean, he he's been there for for a few years, so because that that's sort of his whole business model. Like, I mean, he is occasionally selling a few pens online, but I mean, his commitment to like uh, online stores is that it's similar to like Bungokan Kobayashi, right? Like every few months that they, they put a few online, but that's not really. That's not really the, how how they sell. They they have other means, and in case of Hashiro, it's mostly about going to these events. He goes to pretty much every event. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so we'll have a, another opportunity there. Mm. Um. But then, right across the street, we mentioned the the timing, but there's also a uh, there's also um another event at Mitsukoshi, one of their, uh, I think that it's their second really stationary event uh, since the kind of renewal of um, of their stationary department, right? Mm. So you went today, what did you think? I mean, one observation, it was the same thing as last time, is that the, the little event area is separated from the actual uh, stationary salon store right so if you just go to the store it's hard to tell that there's an event going on you have to walk walk a bit to the, this little event area and there wasn't much going on i will say and you i think you mentioned when we talked about when we looked at you know the the the, the instagram post announcing the events it looked a bit bungo joshi like and i would say that it was true it's sort of like mini like a micro 
Bungo Josh in the sense that they were selling some stamps and some stickers and some washing. You had sort of, yeah, some people looking at that. It wasn't hugely crowded, but maybe because this was not the first day of the event, maybe there were more people there before. The only thing, and then of course you had this this uh, wooden pens. You, you you didn't they didn't have like the, the big name like it was a Nohara Koge, but it had one of the sort of the one of the other wooden pen makers. Um, but then of course they had uh, Toyoka Craft, and they had announced I think prior to the event that they would have this custom event exclusive like dark blue pen trays. And and they had a big one with room for 60 pens, and that one was already sold out, which was a bit surprising because it was kind of expensive. It was like 67,000 yen, I believe, but that one was sold out already. Yeah, that's that's pretty much in line with, I think, what the others cost as well. Um, I, went to, I went to Mitsukoshi yesterday, and I, I went with Hiroko. So, I guess, spoilers... There's going to be a collaboration uh, between them soon. How soon? I don't know. But that is uh, the plan to have some kind of collaboration between Toyoka Craft and Hiroko. And one of the interesting things that um, that Yamazaki-san said to Hiroko was that he he was, I guess, as insistent as a Japanese kind of person speaking Japanese to another Japanese person can be uh, he he kind of strongly suggested that um, he would very much like for Hiroko to keep just any part of the box at all but um, not lacquer over a, a specific part so it can be like a small part but um, he he said he would love to see like a design where there's at least one small part of the the tray or the box or whatever it is where you could see the grain of the wood and he said that um it's because a lot of effort is is put into keeping and maintaining that beautiful grain the, of the wood and um he said that a lot of customers appreciate that particular aspect of Toyoka craft so um, for him personally, he would like to to have um, he would like to have just any part where you could still see that graining of the wood. So I thought that was pretty interesting. How something that I might not have noticed, um, he he kind of it was like a source of pride for for them. That makes sense, but it sounds like a bit of a challenge for Hiroko. I mean, the, the obvious thought would be even just use transparent lacquer but as we have talked about numerous times transparent lacquer is not actually transparent it has for a while it's going to have this this brown uh, translucent color right um i mean i guess you, you can try to make it as thin as possible or you could try to just not lacquer certain parts but i think that would look strange because then the the thickness wouldn't be even so yeah i'm sure this would give Hiroko a bit of a headache but uh, She'll come up with something. So I actually have an idea, um, which is a lot of these trays, at least for the bigger chests, right? Mm. Um, the trays are com- you can pull them out completely. So my idea is, what if she lacquered the the box but not the tray, so that the tray keeps the the wood grain, and then you'd have a contrast between the the wood tray and then the lacquered box i think that would be interesting and it would you know keep in the design and you're not you know just going to have a tray right like Mm. the tray clearly fits in the box Mm. so i think that could be something interesting that they could do yeah yeah that could work but i think if if they were to if they were to do a collaborate in a more organized way I, i think it would make sense for Hiroko to buy or to get not, you know, the finished products, but before they put on their own, like, wooden lacquer, whatever you call it, right? Well, I, I um, they did actually talk about this. And um, it's easier for Hiroko to have, I mean, it's not going to be the finished product because there's, like, gluing and stuff involved. But it's easier for Hiroko to have, like, wood where she doesn't need to prepare the base layer. Okay. 
So, um, so it, it, I don't know how this, you know, would totally mm. work out, but I, I think it's an exciting um, collaboration, and they, they're, you know, obviously they're both professionals. Mm. So, um, so we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I would agree with you. It's not as pen focused. It's mostly the surroundings, like accessory focused, mm. and to be honest, Toka Craft. They seem a little bit out of place uh, with the price point. However, the people that I saw going to the the fair, and, and not just our group, right, but there was like mm. a couple other groups, they went specifically for Toyota Craft. So I wonder if they're going to, um, if if uh, Mitsukoshi is going to get any hints from this event and, you know, maybe improve the, the next next version of it maybe with um they don't have to what i'm saying is they don't have to mm. fear the high price point well i will say if anything toka crafts seem to be the only vendor that was not out of place at miskoshi because they're like the stereotype of a miskoshi or in general like a department store customer is an elderly like well-off person right and it was exactly you know your stereotypical department store customer that went and looked at toyoka crafts products and 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 bought them so some bought them fairly <laughs> quickly so yeah I, I think that they, they had a good show and clearly they the, the blue trays were, were very popular so i think they they did well yeah and um they said they had sold out of a lot of items so i actually bought one of the smaller trays uh, it's a six tray. I'm actually gonna consider asking him to. Uh, I'm con- gonna consider asking, making me a, either like a five tray or a seven tray because if you have six, it's harder to arrange the number of uh, pens that you can put in the tray because it doesn't look, it doesn't look even. You have to put a put an even number of pens in. So, yeah, we'll see. But I'm very happy with my purchase. I was so happy that the 60 pen one was sold out because that was the one that was most appealing to me. It was pretty expensive, but that was by far the most interesting one. So I, oh, yeah. if it had been available, I, it would have been a hard choice for me. So I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> and the the handles on, on that one is, is incredible. Mm. And apparently it's exp- it's more expensive than the regular one, uh, not just because of you know the, the paint, but because that one uses like Japanese hinoki, which is apparently more expensive than whatever imported tree they use for the standard products. Yeah. So I did ask um, why they've stopped their collaboration with Kingdom Note. I asked exactly the same question. We probably got the same answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know how much we want to reveal, but uh, why don't you go first? Well, so when I was there, uh, it was just like one uh, uh, Toyoka rep, so not the um, not not the president. So m- maybe you got more details, but but they were strongly hinting, hinting that the fact that Kingdom Note had their occasional sales was uh, not something that they they were in favor of. Yeah, so I didn't meet the the president either. I think we both met Yamazaki-san, um, but I think that. Uh, you know, he told me, you know, kind of a little bit more than what I'm going to say right now. But I think Toyoka Craft, they they've been around for for a while, right? They're they're not a mm. young company. Um, mm. The the craftsman who's making it is like, you know, he, he looks like he should have retired 20 years ago. But um, there, it seemed to me that they're realizing the power of their brand mm. and um and they're starting to really take more attention to uh protecting that brand image mm. so you know something about working at at kingdom note or or their agreement with kingdom note which was it spanned almost a decade i want to say um that stopped being uh, something that was good for their brand. Um, nothing in the products themselves, but really about the the image and the kind of company that they want to be. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, but I, I think, I mean, my interpretation of that is also that it just wasn't really a good fit because it is true that 
Kingdom Note has products on sale every 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 once in a while. It's usually around the end of the financial year that they put that they want to get rid mm-hmm. of like unsold inventory, so they put a lot of stuff on sale. But you don't, in general, you don't offer a discount of your best selling products, right? I mean, there may be some exceptions where you know you have teasers you want to get people into the store, but in general, I would say you wouldn't offer your best selling products at a discount. You, you would, the things that you put on sale, you offer at the discount are things that are generally slow moving. And, and there were many times where Kingdom Note had Toyoka Pentrace on sale, which to me just suggests that maybe this wasn't, I mean, Kingdom Note's customers weren't the ideal customers for Toyoka. It wasn't really just a good fit. Well, um, I I have to admit I bought my chest because it was on sale. Um, Same here. I bought like four trays and only because I bought them on sale. I might not have bought them if if they were not on sale. Um, but now that I have them, I would hundred percent buy them at full retail price. So, you know, there there's benefits uh, and and cons to to of course everything. Mm. But um, but yeah, it is. It's always sad to to see this collaboration, um, kind of these kinds of collaborations fade away. But you know, taking their their brand more seriously, I think that's that's always good. They told me that um, last time they went to the San Francisco Pen Show, which which was in two thousand nineteen, they they brought a bunch of pens and they sold out on the first day. This time. They brought three times what they had brought in 2019, and they sold out in the first day. So uh, it's it's actually quite a quite a dilemma. Albeit it's a, it's a great dilemma to have, but it's a dilemma. You know, they're they're trying to figure out. Okay, well, how much do we need to bring next time? It's one thing to 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 bring a few pens. It's something different to bring a big wooden pen trays right and there's a cost associated with that so you, yeah. you better plan carefully um i have a feeling that mr brad audi has something to do with it. i think i think he he was he bought like a hundred pen tray and i think he he talked about that yeah. on the podcast or somewhere else and i have a feeling that that is how this current toyoka craze in u.s started because as you mentioned toyoka Craft has been around for decades, right? And they have been in Japan. They've been like a standard fixture at most of these pen events, and they are always popular in the same in the same way that Eboya and Ohashido are popular. I mean, they all they have the loyal customers. They always do pretty well, but it's rare that that's like the main attraction, right? So they they are you know doing okay, but they are not like they're the rock stars, right? But suddenly in, the, in at this based on your report at the San Francisco Pen Show, they were like they were like almost like the main attraction oh yeah they they were crazy wild just so many people went to buy their stuff and, and it might might be that they can't get to a craft um regularly right like we can so you know there there is a difference in that as well yeah so i have a feeling that mr dowdy has something to do with this <laughs> <laughs> all right um so Next topic, moving on. I want to talk a little bit about uh, paper because we uh, we talked in a previous episode about Hobonichi 2022. And um, I think you mentioned that there was this announcement that they were not going to use Sanzen paper for the 2022, or rather for next year's planners uh, they were going to use what they called like the the, the same old or like the, the the standard whatever paper they have used in the past and we were talking about that we were wondering whether that means the number seven paper or the number nine paper and the argument in favor of the number seven paper is that that is what they have been using in the past the yep. argument against it is that as you pointed out and that paper has been out of production since late 2019. So it seems surprising that they will just find like a big stash of number seven paper enough for a whole year's worth of Hobonichi, yeah, right? Yeah. So 
I was very curious about that. So I went a few days ago to uh, to Loft. For some reason, Loft seems to have they must have some kind of special deal with Hobonichi because I think they had them like before anyone else, right? Mm-hmm. So I went to Loft in Ginza, or maybe it's Yurakcho, but somewhere between Ginza and Yurakcho. And uh, as usual, I brought a bunch of pens inked up with various difficult inks. So I, you know, they always have these like sample notebooks, sample planners that you can like scribble in. And I like did my little paper test in all of them. And I think, by the way, like a side note, but if you go to like any like stationery store in Japan where they have like these notebooks that you can write in. It's always going to be like one page with like a food fan was here. <laughs> I've, I've written in, in all of them with my various pens. Um, so I did some quick tests at Loft. And based on those quick tests, it looked like number seven. But I, I wanted to do some close-up photos and more uh, more tests. So I bought, you know, being the cheapskate I am, I bought the very cheapest one, which, which is like the day free Yep. Day three in the small one in A6 size. So I, I bought that one and I did some more tests at home. And I am almost entirely certain that this is number seven paper for two reasons. Mm-hmm. The first reason is that I, I there's this one ink, we talked about that before, but there's this one Kakimori ink that behaves noticeably different on number seven paper and number nine paper so on number seven paper it, it is this like vibrant red and the edges are all smooth in the sense that there's no feathering and and because the ink doesn't get absorbed into the paper it starts pooling and that gives you gives you a little bit of sheen once it dries while on the nine paper uh, it looks lighter and less saturated so basically like more washed out because it gets more absorbed and also because it gets more absorbed you get a bit of feathering mm-hmm. and you get basically no uh, sheen so i always have I have some number seven paper and some number nine paper f- for testing so i wrote i inked up a pen with, with that difficult ink and i tried number seven paper and tried number nine paper and i tried the hubonichi paper and i would say the Hobonichi paper behaved exactly like the number seven paper in that it was vibrant, it was smooth, and you had sheen. So what do you think this means about, like, do you think they just just bought a, a ton of, of Hobonichi number, number seven? Like, and they just had so much left over? I, I'm not sure. I would love to know the answer to that question. I generally don't know. My suspicion is that what, what I think it's more likely that, that they just had their own inventory rather than that, you know, Sansen had some secret stash that, that that's that you could buy only if your name is Hobonicha. I think it's more likely that Hobonicha had their own uh, I mean, just for like business continuity basically like they had enough paper. Yeah. By the way, this is, this is super geeky, but there's one more test you can do to tell seven and nine apart. Like if you take a sheet of paper and you hold it up against like a, a window in, during the day or just in a light source, you get sort of this like x-ray image where you can see like, you can see like the watermarks and if it's laid paper, you can see you know, these lines. Right, right. And then you see like this like pattern or texture, which looks different depending on what paper it is. So... On the number seven paper, you have this sort of more coarse texture, while the number nine paper has more fine-grained mm-hmm. texture. So they look noticeably different. And you can see that the Hobonichi paper has exactly the same kind of pattern texture as the number seven. So I am, I am convinced that Hobonichi 2022 is number seven. Just one more thing about that, which people might not realize but in addition to planners Hobonichi actually also sells notebooks this is a bit confusing because they have this as we covered like one year ago they had this Hobonichi Noto you, you remember that one that the staple bound cheap like campus like yep, notebook yep, I remember that's definitely not uh, Tomorevo that's some cheap like campus like paper which is kind of okay not very like Instagrammable but if you, you're going to take notes then that's fine. But they also sell this thick um, 
paper thick notebooks that basically looks like a day three or like a Hobonichi A6, but it's just it's just grid paper. That's like Hobonichi you know, Hoga note, I think it's called. Yeah. That one, which is like nine hundred yen for A6, is is also uh, Tomori. It's, it's the same paper as in the planners, and it's cheaper than the planners. And if so, if you if you are in a number seven hoard mode, yes, just get some Hobonichi notebooks. And I I found a. Uh... I guess this goes back to the planner, but there's a product called Hoponichi uh, Weekly, and it's this super slim uh, book, and it's just the weeks. There's no, there's like no individual day pages. It's, it's just the weeks, and I'm hoping to try to use that. Uh, hopefully, that will be more successful than my past two years of, of Hoponichi. But that should also be um, Tomer River Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, did you buy Hobonichi Planner to actually use as a planner, or did you just buy it because you wanted to test the paper? I I bought it to use as a planner, as I do as I did in the past three years. I've not been very successful with it. That's the same problem I have. Like, like the, the the January pages are almost full, and the February pages are not as impressive, and then the, the March onward are empty. I think I just need to um understand how to use it mm. it's just uh yeah it's just a matter of knowing how i want to you know really use these products mm. yeah i think you think you have to get used to it and for me i i mean for for like appointments events i much prefer a google calendar i mean to me if an appointment isn't in Google Calendar, then it doesn't exist. My wife uses only paper planners. I mean, we have this this shared Google Calendar. She never ever looks at it. And if it's not in her planner, then it then the event doesn't exist. So uh, yeah, I, I may need to to learn from her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's really nice. I think uh, I think uh, what I do is I try to use it for for the first few days and then afterwards it's just a testing notebook for like my inks and stuff mm. yeah i think that's how many people many people end up using hobonich especially after as you say after the first few months you have you know you don't have enough events or things to write in it but it, you have very nice papers you might as well use it for scribbles and ink swatches or other <laughs> things yeah all right um Lastly, let's talk about this. Uh, it's not really a Japanese uh, maker, but it is a collaboration, an unexpected collaboration. And that is that Mont Blanc has a new ink. Now, we don't know if this ink is like, uh, you know, an actual um, new ink or if it's just a rebranded ink, as I think uh, Fountain Pen Memes has reported on extensively. But the packaging is is absolutely brilliant. So we are talking about the Mont Blanc Naruto collaboration. <laughs> I haven't <Jacob>. seen that. <laughs> okay, so so I, I actually sent it to our stationary group chat on Instagram. I but let me see if I can let me see if I can send it to you again. But this is ridiculous. So there's um there's a there's a company um called Fritz Schimpf and it's not their exclusive but that's really where I first mm. found it. This pen um supposedly looks a lot like Mont Blanc Lucky Orange. Um which which is kind of like a nice uh bright kind of orange color. So that's uh that's the the picture. It's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Hmm. I would have been less surprised if this was like a toner limb sink. Yeah. But given given the popularity of Naruto, I mean, it's not so super surprising, right? I mean, it, it's surprising if you, if it didn't exist. But now that it exists, I'm like, oh, okay. I, I can see where that's going. I understand that. Uh, yeah, I mean... I'm not surprised that there's an ink, there's a Naruto-themed ink. I'm surprised that it's coming from Momlano makers. What I heard is that there might be a uh, an accompanying pen. This is even more interesting. Okay. 
don't quote me on that, but if there is a Naruto Mont Blanc, I'm buying that pen. <laughs> I've never even watched Naruto. I just think it's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it, it is an unexpected collaboration for sure. I, I love it. I love it. And I think yeah, our friend, as you said, Fountain Pen Memes is going to have a lot of fun with this. Yeah. So, um, listeners, uh, let us know on the Instagram post. Would you buy a Naruto Mont Blanc? Let us know in the comments of that Instagram post. All right. I think that's really all we have time for today. Um, as yeah. usual, we wrote three lines um in the show notes and then we went over an hour so that is what it is but i hope that it's been a fun episode episode uh i believe 66 um again please help us spread the word uh tell your family members tell your friends tell your brothers tell your sisters tell your teachers um tell the local high school student uh, maybe they're going to get into nip grinds who knows but um yeah it's it's been a blast and thank you jacob for for putting up with me for the past hour <laughs> same <laughs> my pleasure my pleasure every time um, my name is CY you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh and my name is Jacob I am a Twitter fan on Twitter and I have a blog at what is it fudderfan.com and I'm on TikTok as well <laughs> very good very good we'll see you all next time bye 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 bye